So we're going to continue exploring great Jewish faith. Um, one of the great works, possibly, arguably, the greatest work on Bitachin is what? Anyone know what that might be? Of all the svarim that deals with Bitachin, there's one that's very, uh, very, very uh, primary, and that's the Shara Bitachin. Shara Bitachin is a chapter in the Sefer Chavis Halvavis, Duties of the Heart. Uh, written by one of the Rishayinim. And in the Shar B'Tachem, which is Gate of Trust, so the author, Rabbeinu Bachya ibn Pakuda, he describes the great benefits of trusting in Hashem in this world. What happens to a person? We think like we're doing Hashem a favor when we have B'Tachem in him. But the truth is that there's no greater blessing in a person's life than having bitachon. He says that somebody that has faith and trust in Hashem lives with a heart at rest. He's never nervous. If you don't have faith in Hashem, always nervous. Like, how am I going to pay these bills? And how am I going to, you know, find a shidduch? And how am I going to graduate? And what am I going to do? And what, you know, and what's, what's going to be? I don't know the future. And you, you have anxiety. And we all have that. And the reason why we have it is because we're not enough working and toiling in this bitachen field, if a person would really be able, let's imagine for a second that we would all have real bitachen and Hashem, like of the, of the highest order, so then we would always be relaxed, we'd always be chilled, like everything is fine, if anyone you know, starts rattling your feathers, what are you going to do, how are you going to make a living, what are you gonna, how are you going to feed your family? I don't know, there's Hashem, Hashem is in the world. I don't have to worry. Like, it's, it's not my department. It's Hashem. I speak to Hashem about it. I have bitachin that everything that is supposed to happen will happen. Undisturbed and untroubled, your spirit will be by lack of bodily gratification. A sense of calm, security, and peace. You just, you're always calm. You know, there are people in the world that they're always chill. They don't, there's just nothing ruffles their feathers. They're just happy, go lucky, everything is fine. And then there are people, you know, that are always anxious, always nervous, always uh, going crazy and you wake up scared, you go to sleep scared. You're, you know, there's always a million things on your head. Um, a lot of it would be remedied if we'd have the real bitachin nashem. There's nashem, like, sometimes we have to pinch ourselves and remind nashem there's a God in this world. Like, I, I can't, you know, it's not on me. If there would be no God in this world or you would live without a life of Hashem in your life, which billions of people do, then it's always scrambling. You're always nervous. You're always, with good reason. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this month's rent. I don't know how I'm going to be able to send my kids to camp or send my kids to yeshiva or, uh, you know, marry off my kids or whatever. People are, you know, you start getting frantic. Like, how's that really going to happen? If a person lives to be tuchin, I'm going to just do it. And if this is what Hashem wants, I'm doing what Hashem's ratzen is. He wanted me to be from, I'm from. Being from means that I have to buy matzahs for $21 a pound, and I got to build a sukkah, I got to buy $150 Luvan Esrik set, I got to do that for my son-in-law and for my sons and forever. You know, that's what Hashem wants. You know, I don't have to worry. If he wants it, he'll find a way to get me the money. And... So in a way, if you have bitachin, it's the nicest life. It's the simplest life. It's clean, it's pure, it's fresh. It's not, you're not nervous. 
somebody was once ta- somebody just last night was telling me actually a story about Rishlema Zalman Arbach that when Rishlema Zalman was he married off one of his children or he got one of his children engaged and he was expected to come up for his side of the shidduch you know you have to come up with money for the family for the for the chassid and kala to, uh, I don't know to rent an apartment or whatever it is whatever they need to set up the apartment they needed each to come up with ten thousand dollars. Rabbi Shlomo didn't have ten thousand dollars. You know, I don't know if he had a thousand dollars. So, but he went about his business, and he had no—he he didn't get nervous. And the chasa was getting closer and closer and closer, and there was no ten thousand dollars, you know, heading in his direction in sight. It's not like he was waiting for some Yerusha or some, uh, you know, some stock uh, bonus or something to come in. He had no ten thousand dollars. Not the coming, and you'd think he'd be nervous, like. He has to. Com- he committed himself to pay ten thousand dollars to have the shidduch happen. So what's he going to do? But he wasn't nervous. He wasn't flustered. He wasn't concerned. And the night before, the night before the chasna, there was a knock on his door, and it was somebody from a certain um, prize commission. Like in Israel, they have certain prizes that they give for the most innovative svarim like innovative or creative or whatever it is, like whatever the genre is, they have for Svarim, they have a prize. And they said, you know, you won a prize because you, you published the best safer of the year. So he said, wow, how much is the prize? $10,000, of course, you knew that. And, uh, and he said, okay, but what's the safer? Like, which safer was this? He wrote a lot of Svarim. So he said, Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa. Shabbos is like a modern classic about the laws of Shabbos with all of its modern applications, and it was, it was, and it is considered to be a major classic. The only problem is Shabbos didn't really write it. It was a lot of his piske halacha, a lot of his rulings, but the actual author of the Sefer was his Talmud, uh, Reb Neiverth, Reb Yeshua Neiverth. So he says, I would love to take the prize, and then the Galas of Shabbos you know, like, you got $10,000. You need $10,000 for tomorrow morning to pay the caterer or whoever, but, and you're willing to be emistic and say that, you know, the money shouldn't go to me. I didn't write the safer. You know, go down the block or whatever. Here's his address. This is where Neibert lives. Give, give him the money. They said, no, we know that he wrote the book, but it was built on your halachic rulings, and so you deserve the prize. That's what the commission said. And he got the prize, and he was able to write away pay his bills. Um, that's what bitachin is. Bitachin is, you don't scramble, you don't get nervous, you don't get, you don't start sweating. You know that, you know, when the money needs to be there, it will be there. And you have bitachin Nashem that that's what you're going to, uh, that's who you're going to have. Now, the Chavis says something very interesting. Does anyone know what an alchemist is? Alchemist. Heard of it? Like a medieval scientist. That does what? What is he, what is he famous for? Turning lead to gold. Very good. He supposedly, it's all a myth, but you know, he was supposedly able to take ordinary metal like lead and with some chemical process turn it into gold. Now, it's hard to really to relate to that as a, as a uh, you know, in modern days, but you can imagine if you were able to take any piece of metal and turn it into gold, you'd be Warren Buffett. 
But so the modern example that they give is, let's say you'd have a, a counterfeit machine in your basement. You were able to print it money, literally. And, you know, if somebody's really rich, they say about him, he prints money. Like, let's say you literally were printing money. Now, obviously, this is very illegal, and we don't, we're not in any way condoning it. But imagine just for a second that you had the ability to print your own $100 bills, as many of them as you want. And no one would catch you. Let's say it's a very good copy. And you're able to just go into any store and they, you know, and they would, they buy it. It looks like a real bill. And you're able to go and buy anything you want, cars, houses, whatever, yachts. Which would you say is better, having that or being a Balbitachin? says that trusting in Hashem is the greatest occupation. If you trust in Hashem, having bitach in Hashem, there's no greater, you know, something you think if I was a, uh, if I was a big high-powered lawyer who makes a mil- million dollars a year, that's a great profession, and it is. Or to be a doctor, to be a, I don't know, some, a surgeon, uh, you know, a big businessman, you think those are great professions. You're making a ton of money. But the greatest of all, of all professions is trusting in Hashem. One who has absolute trust in Hashem has peace of mind that Hashem will provide for him, enabling him to enjoy a good life. His life is great, wholesome, and fulfilling. What about a guy who has a counterfeit machine in his basement? Do you think he has a great life? No. Why? He's always afraid of being caught. He never knows when he's going to have to go on the run if the cops are, the FBI is like sniffing around. All of a sudden, like he sees funny cars in front of his house and he's like, he right away has to run or break apart the machine. He's always tense, fearful of being discovered and distrustful of others. He doesn't even let anyone into his house. He's afraid if a guy goes and, you know, asks to use the bathroom down in the basement, he's going to look in and like look behind the curtain and see the counterfeit machine. He's going to master on him. He's going to snitch on him. His life is always crazy, tense, and nervous. And that's how most people's lives are. If let's say you have, a, you have a candy store and you're doing very well, you're always nervous that what? What's going to happen? Some what? The what? Another candy store on the block. It happens all the time. What else? Competition. Or, or maybe Amazon starts you know, getting into the candy business, which of course I'm sure it has. And uh, nobody go, wants to park their car and go into your store. They could just, at the click, you know, sit in their in their basement and just click on on you know on, on their computer and, and and have it delivered the next day or that same day to, your, to their house. Or let's say the price of candy goes up, or uh, you're always nervous about what, or the the, the store could uh, have a fire, or uh, I don't know something could, something else. Your your distributor can go out of business, and you don't now you don't have a supplier anymore. You're always there. People that are in business or a profession, I don't know, today maybe I, I, I'm a pretty good dentist, but maybe another young dentist that has all the more modern uh, dental techniques is going to open up and you know, people are going to start swarming to him. V'chule, v'chule. Whatever you're doing, there's always a degree of risk. That's what business is all about, the, you know, taking risks. And so you're always nervous about... Um, you're always nervous about what could happen. A balbitachan, though, is the greatest profession because it doesn't mean a balbitachan doesn't mean that he's sitting on his hands doing nothing all day. He's also in a profession. He's also in some sort of business. The only difference between him and his and the other and if there's two barbers, it could be in the same city. 
one being a Baal and one not, they're both have the same size store, the same, you know, the same customer base and the same prices and the same techniques and the same equipment, but one is happy, one is nervous. One is always whistling and, and happy, Baruch Hashem, I'm able to make a parnasa, things are good, but what's going to, I don't care about what's going to be, Hashem, if this doesn't work out, Hashem will find me something else. I could always move to another store, I could move to, I have bitachin, Hashem is going to always be here for me. But if you don't have Hashem in your corner, you don't, you, you do, but if you don't think about having Hashem in your corner, then you're always going to naturally be nervous and uh, no matter what. The, the wealthiest people that I know are the least happy people. The myth of being of wealth equal happiness, equal, equaling happiness, is just that. It's a myth. It, it's so not true. Mark says it's the opposite. The person who is happy with his lot is rich. Exactly. Pekah says, If you're happy with whatever you have, I don't have a big house, I have a nice house, or I have a small house, or whatever it is, but I'm eating and I'm sleeping and my, my family is taken care of and I'm happy. Uh, but you're not driving a Lexus. Who cares? I'm, 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 I'm fine. It's fine. It's working. The car's getting me from point A to point B. I'm happy. And then there are people that are literally driving Rolls Royces and Bentleys and they're miserable people. They're nervous. They're always afraid they're going to lose all their money. Because you have to understand the rich person, well, at one point in his life, he realizes that the only chashivas that he has is his money. People aren't honoring him at the dinner because he's a Tamil Chacham, because he's a great guy, he's a nice guy. They're honoring him at the dinner because he has a big, they see in him a very, a human-sized checkbook. They just see in him a way to get money for their institution, their yeshiva, their, and so he realizes that. He's not stupid. He's not, he knows he's not. So all he is, is his money. Because that's all people refer to him. Oh, he's rich, he's rich, he's rich. So, well, his nightmare is what? If I lose my money, then I'm, not, I'm going to be nothing. I have nothing. The only reason why people remotely care about me is because I have my money. But if I lose, so they don't, that's why they're often very stingy. They don't give a lot of money to Tzedakah. They don't give their family a lot of money. Sometimes a person does a shidduch with a very wealthy father-in-law. And people, oh, he's a lucky guy. He's, he's going to really be able to clean up and he's probably going to, he's going to be on the gravy, gravy train for the rest of his life. It's going to be... And if off, very often, if you look into, you do research, those guys, they don't, they're, they're, they're the worst off. It's much better to marry like a, I don't know, poor girl, but like, you know, you know a nice middle-class, blue-collar type of person whose father is normal, gishmak, he works hard, and he has, and he's just generous. He just wants to give. He's happy. He has bitachin Hashem that if I give, I'm going to be able to generate more when I need it. I don't need to be nervous. Much better to marry a shver like that, a father like that, than a girl who's super wealthy. She's, you know, impossible to please because she's so high maintenance. You know, she's used to having her daddy's credit card and just buying anything and everything that she wants. And now you're going to have to do that for her without necessarily this. Anyway, it, it could be very problematic. And so the, the, the healthiest um, and the most, the most um, happiest People in life are people that are just living, like you said, Samech Bechalkai. I'm happy with what I have, Baruch Hashem. You just say Baruch Hashem all day, then I'm able to walk, I'm able to talk, I don't have, a, you know, I don't have a, any disabilities, and could I use more money? Yeah, I, I probably it would always, can't hurt to have a little bit more money always, 
Um, but if this is what I have, then this is what Hashem wants me to have, and I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Baruch Hashem. So having bitachen, if a person wants to be happy in life, the greatest gift that he could buy himself is shar bitachen, or, or great Jewish faith for that matter. That would be a nice gift for me also if you'd buy great Jewish faith. But um, this summer, this coming summer, okay? Um, you just told me that you bought great Jewish letters this summer, so that's... So we're well on our way to, to getting the entire series. Um, but if a person works on these things, it's not just like something, okay, it's Musr, I have to have bitachin. It's the greatest, it's the greatest profession that you could have is being a Baal bitachin. There's no happier person in the world than people that, are, that have bitachin, they live with bitachin. And that is what the Cheves Habavis teaches us. Okay, let's do one more, and then we'll go to Mincha. All right, let's do a related type of quote from the Abu Drama. Abu Drama was, of course, one of the um, great commentators on tefillah, on davening, on prayer. Did you ever wonder, he says, why it is that Maidem in the Shme- in Chazar Sashat, when the, when the Chazan repeats Shemana Esrei by Shachris and by Mincha, um, there's only two parts that we say out loud. We don't, right? Kedusha, which we really say together with the Chazan. But of all the brachas in Shemana Esrei, of all the parts of Shemana Esrei, there's only one thing that the rabbi said every single person has to do on his own. He can't do it by listening to the Chazan repeating Shemana Esrei. What is that? Maiden. Excellent. Maiden. There's something called Maidim Durabanan. While the Chazan saying his, in his repetition, Maidim Anachnulach, like, with that whole longer um, version that we said in the silent Shman Esrei, we're supposed to say what's called the Maidim Durabanan. A lot of shuls, they have like posters or signs, framed signs with the Maidim Durabanan. And uh, we're supposed to say it on our own. It's, a, it's another, it's a form of thanksgiving to Hashem. You ever wonder why that we can't be Yaitzeh by listening to the Chazan? Let's listen to the Chazan. And he's saying Maidim, so we'll just listen. And like the rest of Shman Esrei, I'm not saying it, I'm listening to him say it. And I'm able to, it's as if I'm saying it through what? What's the mechanism? What do we call that? Shemeya Ke'aina. Shemeya Ke'aina means that it's a Talmudic concept that if I listen to you saying something, it's like I'm saying it myself. That's how we're Yaitse what? Like Kriya Satira. I'm listening to you, to one Balkari lane. And it's like I'm leaning, because we all have a chiv to lean on Shabbos, but I'm listening to you. What's another example of Shemei Ka'ina? When else do we, do we use this, employ this concept of Shemei Ka'ina? Shofar. Megillah. I'm thinking of Kiddush. Kiddush Friday night. We don't all have a Kiddush cup in front of us. We don't all make Kiddush. The Balabayas makes Kiddush. We all listen to his Kiddush. And then either he drinks the wine and we're yates. If we want, we can really get our own wine. You don't have to. But basically, that's working with the concept of I'm listening to him, and whatever he's doing, it's like as if I'm doing it. That does not apply for some reason by might, but applies by Rifa'enu and Hashiveinu and Slachlanu. But when it comes to the bracha of Maidim, suddenly everybody's got to do it on their own. Having a nice family, and you could be thankful for 
That's true, but like, why? But that is, how come that's not a problem by Shmak Kalenu? He's also asking Hashem for something, and maybe he's thinking. I'm giving. You're saying thank you for that. I'm saying thank you for what I'm saying. You're, you're asking Hashem in your for what you need, and I'm asking Hashem. I'm, you're asking Hashem to heal people that you know that are sick, and I'm, I have a different intent. That didn't bother us. All of a sudden, Maidim, we everybody has to do it on their own. We don't trust the Chazan. All of a sudden, when it comes to Maidim, Sevadram says a beautiful concept. He says gratitude to Hashem cannot be delegated to someone to do it on our behalf. We must express it ourselves. When it comes to thanking Hashem, we have to do it on our own. We can't, we can't. it's like, let's say it's my anniversary, and I say to you, listen, do me a favor, I'm, I'm going to be giving a vod tonight, I don't have time to take my wife out to eat, I don't know, you know, would you mind like just bring over a dozen roses and telling my wife happy anniversary from me? It would really mean a lot to me. Now, what, what do you think my wife would do to those dozen roses? Or, no, probably save it till I come home and throw it at me. <laughs> so, and I mean that, honey, in the, in the nicest way if you're listening. But um, that's, and, and I would deserve it, right? Because what, what are you doing? Your wife, you don't thank your wife by delegating, you know, a thank you. That doesn't work. If you owe some, uh, you know, your boss, you know, gave you a raise and you say, okay, I just have to, I'm going to ask my good friend to call my boss. Now, no, 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 you go into the boss's office yourself and you say, boss, thank you. I really appreciate that raise. If you say, if you do, no, I did it through Shemei Kaina. I, I was listening to my friend saying it to you and I was on the phone. I was actually, I'm Shemei Kaina, yeah? Shemei Kaina, pink slip Shemei Kaina, get out, you know, you find another job, Shemei Kaina. Um... So when it comes to giving gratitude to Hashem, we don't trust, not that we don't trust the Chazan, but it's inappropriate that the Chazan, we're, we're giving him this great job for, to thank Hashem for us. No, that's not how you thank Hashem. You don't thank Hashem by making somebody else thank for you. You thank Hashem personally. Maidim Drabanan. Rabbanan says you have to, every Yid in Shul has to say his own unique Maidim because that's the way we, we thank Hashem. And that's, by the way, a secret for not just Maidim and Shman Esri, but that's true for everything in life. It's true every time Hashem gives you anything. Let's say, you know, you have a baby after you're married. Let's say you get a shidduch before you're married. Um, let's say you, uh, uh, you do very well in your test. You, got, you know, got a mark that you weren't expecting to get or that you were hoping to get. The first thing that you do you don't wait for Shemana Esrei until Mayrev in a couple of hours. You, you say, thank you, Hashem. You just talk to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. The first thing, before you thank your, you know, your, your, whoever your tutor was, whoever you thought, whatever, thank you, Hashem. I really appreciate it. That's how a Yid, oh, everything is Baruch Hashem, Mir Hashem. Baruch Hashem, Mir Hashem. Baruch Hashem for things that happen, Mir Hashem for things that will yet, will yet happen. Are you engaged? No, but I will, Mitzvah Hashem, be engaged soon. Um, you know, did you get into the graduate school? No, Mitzvah Hashem, I did. But every, a Yid always has this on his lips, this constant thank you to Hashem, appreciation at every... And you know what happens when you appreciate Hashem and you thank Him? What do you think happens? Hashem wants to give you more and more bracha because He sees that you appreciate it, where it's coming from. You know, if you go into your boss and you give him like a tremendous yashakayach for the, the raise, guess what's going to happen next year that 
people are, you know, up for raises, he's going to put you on the top of the list because he remembers that you appreciate, you came in, you thanked him profusely, and you, you know, that's, that's what Hashem does also. If you thank Hashem at every turn, at every point in your life, whatever happens, you give Haidah to Hashem privately and Maidim publicly, make a Kiddush, whatever it is that you're doing to express your praise and thanksgiving for Hashem, that's a guarantee that Hashem is going to continue doing good for you. We know this from a chinuch. The chinuch says by benching that benching is something that a lot of us have issues with, right? Sometimes we it never happened to you like you you ate like a nice meal with bread and you just like walk away and then you you forget, you realize oh my gosh I forgot to, I think I forgot did I bench I don't remember did I bench yes like random people like they think you're crazy like did I bench did you, did you see me benching did that ever happen to anybody yeah. okay so it definitely happened to me. But let's say I would know that I bench, and I bench with kavana. I look into a bench, and I'm not shuckling. It takes me time, and I'm thinking about, thank you, Hashem, for giving me this bread. I don't take it for granted. So if a person does that, the chinuch writes, that's a skula. We all love skulas, right? That's a skula for having parnasa berevach for the rest of our life. Mishabur brings us down by benching. If you want to be assured, who wouldn't want to be assured of like knowing that you're going to always have food in your refrigerator to eat or money in your pocket to buy food? I would love, right? That, that's amazing. The way to do that, says the Chinuch, is bench with Kavana. If you bench with Kavana, that's, you show Hashem that you appreciate it, He's going to just continue to give you more and more and more bread and more and more parnasa because He sees that you have real heartfelt appreciation. When a person, when, when somebody comes over to me and says, Rabbi, I really appreciated, you know, the sheer that you gave, it really hit home, it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, wow, I didn't just waste, you know, my time. People appreciate it. People got what I was trying to do. It makes me feel good. Now, next time I give a sheer, I'm going to feel motivated to, like, come and do it with a geschmack and, you know, and, and really because I feel like, I feel that uh, I'm, there's traction here. There's something that's, that's sticking, and that's true for everything. And it's not just true with our relationship with Hashem, of course. It's, it can be applied to everything in our life. All our relationships, our parents, and when it comes, our kala, and our, our wives, and our children, and our bosses, and our, our cousins, our friends, whatever they do for you, say thank you and mean it. Don't just say it like, thank you, and like, look away. Look into their eyes, say thank you, really, because... You do owe them gratitude, and by saying thank you, that's at least you know giving back something that they feel that they did it, you know, and it was appreciated. And that's uh, that's so it's true for Hashem, it's true for everyone else in our life. But this is a very important avodah. Always remember when you say it's because I can't rely, I can't outsource Thanksgiving to a shliach tzibur. I have to do it on my own. Everything else could be, but not. I have to say it on my own. It just doesn't cut it if I have a shliach do that on my behalf.